So welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is G, uh, the co-founder and CEO at Paloma Elf. Uh, G, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike, for having me. It's great to be here. It's it's a pleasure, uh, and I, I'm sure that people will uh, understand very very soon why uh, i've invited you and and paloma elf but before going to to the story let's get to know more about you um and and paloma elf cool yeah happy to share more about my background i uh i'm french uh actually actually started my career in london not in france um as an investment banker and I decided that, you know, I should uh, try to uh, follow another career path. So I decided to move back to France to start a business. And uh, and I got pretty lucky. I got involved in two startups. They both got acquired and decided to move to the United States after that with my wife, who's half French, half American. That was seven years ago. Uh, and uh, I became a general partner at Interplay Ventures. Um, so Interplay Ventures is uh, this amazing venture firm slash foundry slash incubator in New York City, where I was able to like really create my network in the United States, learn a ton, and really like um, when one of my best friends was diagnosed with hypothyroidism two years ago, I felt compelled to go back to building and being an entrepreneur again. Uh, and so decided to quit my job at Interplay to start Paloma Health. Um, and we've been, you know, building Paloma Health and improving hypothyroid care in the United States uh, since then. Sounds, sounds amazing and a great track record, uh, great experiences scaling up companies. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about where you are in terms of the growth of Paloma Health and a bit more of, of the story of, of Paloma Health. Yeah, uh, so we're actually at a key moment for the company right now because for the past two years, we've been like direct consumer only uh, and that has been working great. But uh, recently over the past three or four months, a lot of like new B2B partners, you know, can like ask us questions. And now we're working with a bunch of those. Uh, so Paloma Health is both a direct consumer and a B2B company uh, helping, you know, close to 20,000 patients now with hypothyroidism. Uh, and uh, and really, I think we've scaled it, you know, progressively um, from like first building the key components that were, I think, answering the main pain points for hypothyroid patients. And those were really around testing and finding a good doctor. And over the past two years, you know, we've really like tweaked and improved our product to add new blocks and new features to our product so that patients with hypothyroidism can get everything they need when it comes to their thyroid care through Paloma Health. And so now in terms of like product, we, you know, it took us two years to get to where we are today, but we're in a very good place, we think, with the app and the web app and all the, all the features that we've built. And so we're very excited that, you know, it comes exactly at the right time because now we're also scaling and expanding on the B2B side. Um, so that's kind of like where we are right now. You know, we're, we're live in 35 states. As you can imagine, that was 
hub, um, right? Because every state is like a country, you know, where like each doctor <laughs> needs to get new licenses or you need to find a new doctor. Uh, we also uh, partnered with some pretty big health insurance companies. So Aetna, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Cigna. And same thing there. You have to get those contracts. It's on a state-by-state -state basis. And so uh, that also took a lot of time. So honestly, you know, slowly but surely, that's the thing about healthcare. It's slow. You, even if you try to move as fast as like any other startup, it's still slow. But slowly you're building the moat. And so, and that's, you know, that feels good. Uh, and I feel like with, you know, 17 providers now in the team, 35 states, some key relationship with like drug manufacturers, patients advocates, with, uh, we started to build a moat for this patient population of, uh, of hypothyroid patients. Got it. For, for the ones who are listening and are asking themselves, what the hell is uh, hypothyroidism? Uh, this is something that I am also suffering. I was diagnosed uh, last year, I've shared on, on social media for the ones who follow me. Uh, but uh, for the ones who have never been in touch with uh, this autoimmune disease, what, what is that about? So the thyroid is also sometimes referred to as the master gland because it regulates every single organ in our body. It's uh, at the base of our neck here uh, and it produces hormones and those hormones are key. It's kind of like to make a silly comparison, it's when your phone has a, has a dying battery and every <laughs> single app is going to turn very slowly. That's the same thing with hypothyroidism, you know. Every single organ is not getting the energy it needs to work properly. Right. Uh, and so the, the, the patients with hypothyroidism, unfortunately, will have for the rest of their life, they will have to take this medication called levothyroxine. But there are multiple options there. I don't think we need to go into too much detail. Yeah. What's interesting is that levothyroxine is the most prescribed drug in the world. And it's number one or number two most prescribed drug in the United States. And I think that's something that people really don't know is how common hypothyroidism is. And, uh, and unfortunately, how underserved it is as well. And so that's exactly what we're trying to do at Paloma Health, improve access to care uh, to like the best thyroid doctors in the country, to also improve the care for hypothyroidism by using a, a holistic approach and really thinking about how lifestyle, diet, plus, of course, the levothyroxine prescriptions can really help our patients um, you know, address the root cause of hypothyroidism and finally start feeling better because a lot of patients still complain about those, those symptoms. And, and just to mention a few so that, you know, maybe you guys can understand, it's like we're talking about weight gain, fatigue, depression, memory losses, foggy brain, hair loss, dry skin, because it affects every single organ in the body. It unfortunately has a Incredible. huge impact on someone's life. And so, so that's why it's, it's, you know, what we're doing at Paloma Health and, I'm blessed to for what we're doing every day and the, the reviews we're getting every day because we're really helping patients uh, with like something that unfortunately comes with a, a myriad of symptoms. Yeah, and for, for the ones who, who are living with this condition, it is uh, very obvious uh, what they need to, to go through. Uh, but also for, for the ones who are not followed, there is a, a huge, as you said, a huge problem and, uh, and a huge opportunity in the market to solve this problem and to make the life of these patients a little bit easier. Because if you are feeling uh, symptoms a little bit more heavily in a certain period, it means that you need to do lab tests. It might mean that you need to change your medication, the doses, et cetera. 
And uh, if you are able to do the majority of this online, you save a lot of time and you get better uh, quicker instead of just needing to book an appoint appointment, going for your lab tests, blah, blah, blah. So it takes uh, a lot of your time uh, without feeling uh, good. So I think that's 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 great that Paloma is solving uh, this huge need uh, in in the market and, and looking for when you guys come to, to Europe to to test you out <laughs> yeah it's like launching in a new state in the new in the united states at this exactly. point right? <laughs> so at least you are already more than prepared uh for, for yes. the for the next stage uh of of growth so and if you would have the um, the opportunity to have a coffee with uh, yourself at the beginning of this journey with with paloma elf what advice would you offer to your uh, younger self uh Great question. Um, I think the first one is, you know, our mission was to, how can I say that? We were so focused on the, on the consumer and the patient experience that sometimes you forget what investors want to see. And I think that's something like we've been able to change this pretty quickly. But we launched Paloma Health as a fully, you know, a la carte offering where like people could pick, I want to book a doctor visit, I want to book a visit with a nutritionist, or I want to book... I want to buy a test kit so I can monitor my hormone levels from home. Uh, and that was great because we're like, you know, everybody has a different, you know, experience. We, we're trying to offer like a personalized experience. So we don't want to put people into kind of like a, a one size fits all approach. And we're still not doing that. But all I'm saying is, you know, over the, over the month, after discussing with a lot of investors, we realized, okay, the beauty of a membership, the beauty of understanding, you know, what is like a good retention, how you're improving your retention, right. seeing the impact of your marketing initiatives on your retention. It's like you go beyond, you know, NPS. And I think when people pay every month for a service, there's nothing more powerful than that. You know, people in the healthcare industry are obsessed with NPS. And I, I'm not from the healthcare industry. I learned everything first as an investor and now as an right. entrepreneur. Uh, but like I'm realizing like retention is and engagement is king uh, when it comes to like building a direct consumer business. And so, and so really when you have a membership, not only it gives you a better predictability of your revenue, it helps you create marketing initiatives that are gonna like move the needle on the, on the month to month, month basis for, the, for your retention. Um, and, so, and so that was kind of like something we implemented recently where like we thought about changing from an a la carte offering to more like a membership based uh, offering. And so we decided to kind of like follow the one medical uh, approach where people have to pay a membership fee to join. It's kind of like a sign-up fee almost where they get to meet their care manager who's going to help them navigate the entire suite of services that we have to offer at, at Paloma Health. And, uh, and this has been a huge success. Um, so that's that's the first one. The second one is when we launched this membership, and this one is, I think, even more interesting. Because like when it comes to healthcare, uh, it's interesting because I had to forget everything I've learned building SaaS products or building products in, for other companies and other industries. It's that people in healthcare, they they don't want discounts. They don't want free trial. If you give them this type of offers, it's this type of coupons, they're going to feel like, you know, oh, they're looking for like patients. They're not good. You know, nobody wants to see the doctor. But for us, it was coming from the place of like, we want to show the value of our product before we charge you for this product exactly. so that you can feel confident you're making the right choice, right? That's what we've seen in so many other companies and industries. Great point. 
But here it's the opposite. When we're doing A B tests and we're like discounting, giving free trials, or giving your first month for one dollar, it was never working. The conversion rates were like getting bad. But one day we had the idea of like, let's do the opposite, you know? And instead of like reducing and discounting everything, let's create an annual membership that is more expensive and let's make it the only option. And then suddenly our question rate went up and everything changed. And as you can imagine for us as a business, that was the best decision ever because we get, you know, $192 upfront when people join. We get 12 months of guaranteed retention after that. And Absolutely. it helped us with growing the membership. And so this was a huge learning that, you know, we need sometimes to go back to the basis of, marketing rules and 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 those are you know segmentation and positioning and your pricing for something like healthcare is you know extremely extremely it's extremely important to think about it and to edit test because sometimes you can be you can be surprised by what you're gonna see exactly this is a this is a great point because uh, elf is something very personal for the majority of us and when we are not feeling very well so we want to make sure that we are seeing the best uh, possible doctor and uh, and trust is all about exactly. so if if the doctor is uh, full and it's i need to wait almost 90 days this one might be very very good right <laughs> if the doctor yeah. is available tomorrow uh it might not be a very good doctor uh it it is it doesn't um talk about the reality but uh, the perception is is quite important right that's that's what we are talking about exactly it's uh it's surprising um and i'm trying to think if there is another yeah. advice that i would give to myself uh i think those two are the big ones really um on our side, it's just like, you know, as maybe as we were changing the membership and realizing that suddenly people were like giving us so much money upfront, then we could accommodate higher acquisition costs. We lost maybe a few months really understanding that we can actually accommodate much higher cats and therefore test new channels. Um, so I don't think I don't think we'll make that mistake again, but uh, but it was interesting for us to stay like, you know, sometimes you're focused on like, okay, my CAC is $50. And I don't want to pay more than that. And when you see an increase in CAC, you're like, uh, you're scared. But actually, if your product has changed, you can accommodate, you know, like three, four times this CAC and still have a good marketing equation. And so that took us uh, not that much time, honestly, maybe two months to realize, but it's like, you know, in the life of a startup, two months, it's, it's a lot of time. It's a lot. You don't want to waste that time. Definitely, that's that's a very good point, and uh, especially for the ones who are um, scaling up, bottom up, and going from the mid-size segment into the enterprise segment, uh, it's a little bit crazy for them uh, increase so much the CAC when they've been optimizing the CAC for such a long time. As you said, uh, we need to compare the CAC with the uh, with the LTV, and uh, and definitely it's it works to increase the CAC if the LTV also uh, increases more than the increase of the CAC. <laughs> exactly, but always like for us, it was like the payback period was kind of like also uh, on top of like the CAC LTV ratio. It was yeah. what the payback period on like your contribution margin looks like, and so that was like uh, also very important for us to look at that and. Uh, and that's that's harder because sometimes you have amazing retention over five years and your payback is actually pretty bad, but your CAC LTV is good. 
So it's sad, but you need to build a product for both patients and, and consumer and users and investors to make sure that those metrics are good, right? But the good thing is most of the time you need one North Star metric. You don't need, you know, 20. Uh, and so if that one works, it's, it's good. It helps to scale. Absolutely. That's, that's a good point. We always discuss a lot in the show uh, on the importance of radical focus in order to scale. In your case, um, in terms of the kind of the industry or the condition is, is quite focused. It's uh, patients who are suffering from hypothyroidism, but even the brand also segments a little bit more. Could you, could you share a little bit more how, how do you guys are segmenting and ensuring that you are being focused on attacking this opportunity as we discussed it before? Yeah. So I think you said it, Mike, we're, we're laser focused, right? We only treat <laughs> hypothyroidism. Our doctors, you know, they're endocrinologists, functional medicine doctors, they could definitely treat other conditions. But it's because we're so focused on hypothyroidism that, you know, we it helps acquire patients. And if you go down this rabbit hole very quickly, you realize, okay, women are 10 times more likely to suffer from hypothyroidism than men. Women are, you know, underserved. Not, you know, unfortunately, they suffered from a lack of research. And so uh, we've built, you know, with my co-founder, uh, and she has worked in this industry forever, we've built this women's health company thinking, you know, we can definitely promote better engagement, promote better, better acquisition, better uh, everything, really. But it's really about the engagement. I think that's the key piece here uh, by focusing specifically women because it's 90 plus percent of the market of hypothyroid patients first, but second is because by grouping them together, that's how we're gonna build a better experience because they're gonna be more engaged because we can build a patient community. Uh, and so that was kind of like our, our logic behind it is like, you know, if the market you're going after, it, you know that 90 plus percent of those people, they're like a specific demographic, you should address that demographic and the truth is we do get some men to use Paloma Health. Um, it's it's not that many for sure because of our branding, but the upside is the engagement we're seeing between you know all the other uh, women that we're helping, and and I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to come back for now. You know maybe not get those ten percent and focus on the ninety percent, but make the experience and the engagement better for those ninety percent. Love it. And uh, it, it's it's really important to, to not be afraid uh, of doubling down on that core customer and uh, having this kind of fear of missing something out, right? Uh, that's yeah. that's that's really difficult to do. But uh, on our side, there was a kind of like a, a trap that we've identified pretty quickly, which was the test kit can be used for diagnosis. So even if we're laser focused on hypothyroidism, at one point we realized. Okay, we're acquiring sometimes patients who don't have hypothyroidism and they're looking for a diagnosis. And that's great too, because on our side, we want to, you know, raise awareness for this condition, we want to help patients get a diagnosis for sure. And, you know, our test kits are, you know, legally and in any way, you know, uh, capable of doing that. It's just like they're not the same type of, you know, LTV, you know, it's very different, right? When someone mm -hmm. buys a test kit and then you never see them again. And on the other side, we have patients who are going to stay with us for maybe the next five or 10 years uh, because we're the new thyroid doctor. Uh, and so and so that's something to take in mind. And it took us uh, maybe, again, a few months to realize that and then to adjust 
because Facebook algorithm, when you're doing ads on Facebook, they can very, very quickly, if you're doing your work of like A-B testing, every creative, every copy, every week, right? Or every month, uh, then very quickly you can, you, you can be kind of like directed by Facebook in one specific direction. And that direction is gonna tell you like, you need to acquire people like that because they have the cheapest CAC because the ROI on one single mm -hmm. transaction is good, right? That's the issue of like, Facebook optimizing for like a return on ad spend versus optimizing for like a high LTV patient. And so, so yeah, so our laser focus kind of like had some, you know, traps that we had to navigate uh, and understand and identify. So sometimes uh, you still need to be aware of like what can happen within your, your demographic. Because that is one of the issues in the industry and why the term is also always expanding. So uh, it is expected that more and more people will be suffering from hypothyroidism uh, in the future. And today, almost 50% uh, of patients are not uh, diagnosed uh, yet. So they are suffering yeah. weird symptoms, but uh, for any reason, the doctors uh, Whatever it is, they are they have not been diagnosed yet uh, with with the condition, so they are not treating yeah. it yet. <laughs> Definitely. And, and so um, you were saying that you are focused on the ones who have already uh, figured out or are di diagnosed that they have this condition, and to make the experience of living with this condition uh, a little bit easier and and better, right? Exactly, because they understand the pain points. You know, right now exactly. uh, as a hypothyroid patient in the United States. It takes on average, you know, around 40 days to get an appointment with a doctor. It, in, you were talking about those pain points, Mike, earlier, but like the back and forth between the labs, the doctor offices, the fact that the current standard of care doesn't even take, you know, lifestyle uh, intervention as, you know, something that can help hypothyroid patients. It's, you know, the, all those pain points are really making this, uh, this experience pretty bad. And so someone who had, who had hypothyroidism for 10 years understand these pain points very well. And when they come to Padova and they see, okay, those doctors, they only treat hypothyroidism. They only treat the chronic condition that I have that is impacting yeah. my work life, my personal life. This message is extremely powerful. Uh, when someone is using a test kit from Padova Health, I mean, whatever we say, telemedicine, our own test kits, there's still a bit of mistrust. You know, COVID-19 helped a lot yeah. with adoption. We're still seeing, you know, a, an adoption rate of telemedicine of like, I think in the United States last year, I was reading a report, it was like 5% or 4%, I think. You know, so it's like out of all the consultations that happened in the United States, only 4% were done through telemedicine in the United States last year. So there's still like a trust component that we need to like, kind of like completely solve for. It's not done yet, but that also sh showed the penetration, right? The potential of penetration for the future of like where we can go with telemedicine. And it's, it's very exciting. And that and that's a very good point because uh, there there are a lot of endocrinologists who are not trained uh, very well to treat this kind of condition, and ensuring that there is a platform that is already uh, trained by what needs to be done in order to help the patient to get better as quickly as possible, in in a in a, in a smooth. Uh, with a smooth process instead of a frustration-based uh, process uh, makes a, a huge difference. And, and then when there are doctors who know what they are talking about, they are focusing on different autoimmune diseases and not in just uh, one, right? 
Yeah, and that's a key on, for us on, on the retention side is matching patients with the right doctor. I mean, you mentioned endocrinologists, and honestly, most endocrinologists are like properly trained on hypothyroidism and doing an amazing job. It's just maybe sometimes not what the patient is expecting. I think, I think it's just a matter of like expectations, mm. like how those expectations, you know, fulfilled by a specific doctor. And so on our side, what we've, uh, what we, what we started to do very early on is like, how can we match the patients with the right doctors depending on their health goals, depending on, you know, gender, some patients they want to see, you know, a, a female doctor, some other want to see a male doctor. So it really depends. But like, if you do this matching right, then, you know, you're going to improve this experience and everything. Because to go back to trust, if the patient doesn't trust the doctor, the treatment, the care plan, everything else is going to be tougher. And so if you get this, you know, this alchemy between the patient and the doctor, then it's it's going to be a success. And on our side, you know, we we, we even started to do like a, a satisfaction guarantee where like their second consultation with another doctor is on us. So if their first consultation with a, with a doctor didn't go well, they're like not that, not that happy with that doctor in the end. We're like, okay, the second doctor is on us. You pick another doctor from your state. And uh, because, because it's so key to make sure that we can help patients find this, you know, the, the provider that's going to change their lives. And, and, and so we want to make sure we're doing it right. Absolutely. Great, great job. So we have discussed uh, the huge opportunity or the, the, the size of the problem that we have, that it's an expanding market. Uh, the term keeps uh, increasing. Uh, the importance of having a clear segment or ICP uh, in order to scale. Uh, also, you have shared another uh, lessons learned with, with the CAC, the LTV, the, to not do discounts, the, the importance of moving into a subscription model uh, in terms of retention and repeatability. But it's also very important to, to have the right team. So you have exited two companies and have been working in a fund uh, before. So what have been some of the lessons of getting back into uh, a very small founding team and then starting to have the first uh, team members and, and now starting to prepare to, to go to another stage of, of scaling up? Yeah, great question. Uh, so first, during the, the the past two years, I think you know we got extremely lucky to be working with friends and people are like so amazing and and uh, and that's because I think we and they're all extremely great and everything. I'm just saying you know you need doers in the beginning. You need people who are gonna do things who want to get their hands dirty and that's how they feel like fulfilled by their job. And that's really where we try to, to identify and stuff when you're meeting so many candidates. How do you know if someone is actually going to be a doer? And of course, like don't hesitate to do assessments to ask them for like homework. Of course, you cannot do that with the 50 or hundreds of, applica of applications that you're going to receive. But like the last four or five, you know, that, that you really like, mm -hmm. go for it because that's really how you're going to see like are they you know, overachievers and, and, mm -hmm. and that's going to really help because in the beginning, don't be, don't look for like fancy MBAs. I mean, if you can find someone who's a doer and had a great MBA, that's even better. What I'm saying is like, it's more important to find people who want to do stuff, want to get their hands dirty on our side. Our main, uh, main value is about learning. None of us worked in a medical practice before. 
and we'll, we've all learned everything by just doing it. And I think that's also the other most fulfilling part of the job is like, you know, how do you grow as a person? And personally, and I don't know if it's the case for everybody in the team, but personally, I feel like I'm growing by learning. And so, and so I try to promote that also in the team. And, and we're, honestly, it's so amazing to see, you know, what, what we've accomplished with such a small team over the past two years and, and how we've, uh, we've learned so much. But you said it at one time, you know, it's also time for, for scale and growth. And so you need to give people responsibilities. And, and, uh, and that's also another time where like usually people embrace it, especially if they've been with you for like the past, from the beginning, right? Um, where they can take on new responsibilities, start managing people. Because the truth is during the first year or two years of a startup, depending on how fast it goes, it's like everybody's working together, right? But they, they're not managing anyone. And so it's just the, the natural next step uh, is to, uh, is to is for someone to want to manage and gets into more like a leadership role. And so that's the phase we're gonna, we're gonna start very soon with Paloma Health. Uh, and, uh, and I can't wait to uh, see this new phase. And you know, we've, we've had amazing employee retention at Paloma Health. And so I can't wait to see these people we've been working with for the past two years embracing these new responsibilities and these new roles. Well done. And uh, yeah, it comes one of the most important moments of going from a founding team into a leadership team uh, 1.0 and start feeling those uh, first VP or head of uh, roles. Uh, and as you said, it would be great to be a combination of uh, people being promoted uh, that are able to scale with, with the company. And of course, uh, usually we also need some people coming from outside to bring some experience to, to the mix uh, to help the company scale. And usually that's, that's this combination that works the best, not only just external. Uh, 100%. People are, are just internal ones that will miss maybe a bit of, of context, outside context, right? Yeah, totally agree with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've identified a few positions that we need to fill. And uh, yeah, right now we're all getting our hands dirty, doing two or three jobs at the same time. And so, you know, it's at one point, uh, everyone needs to focus on something more specific and the center so that we can hire other people other leaders in the team as well and that that is a good point also having a prioritization of the roles that we need um not trying to hire all the roles at the same time and have, uh, onboard all of them at the same time usually that's a, a nightmare it's it's better to go uh one by one or at least Two by two, let's say. <laughs> Definitely. I think we've heard it from so many people, but hiring people in groups and training them together, it creates this unique sense of like camaraderie and, and friendship and, and it really helps uh, with like onboarding. So that's uh, definitely something that uh, we didn't have the chance to do at Paloma Health, but I've heard from like so many companies and now they're only trying to do that. They're like, okay, let's, you know, try to hire this person maybe two months earlier than, than the actual needs but so that she can start or he can start at the same time than this other candidate, you know, and that makes sense. And, and there is something that I also like to, to cover uh, in our, uh, in the last minutes of our conversation here today, which is yes. something that you did very well and that we are seeing a trend, but it's still very difficult to do, which is being able 
to automate a lot of your processes uh, and having a relatively uh, low headcount compared to the output that you are able to produce. So which will be uh, very helpful to scale the company a little bit later. Yeah, so uh, in the, I'm personally, I'm a big fan of like no code, the no code revolution. You know, from like Webflow to Airtable to Zapier and how you can create amazing automations, connecting everything. Uh, in this case, for part of my health, it was pretty tough because of HIPAA. You know, HIPAA is those healthcare regulations where we need to protect, you know, uh, what is called PHI, personal health uh, identification information. And, and in this case, so we had to make sure, you know, everything we're doing, all these tools, we're not getting any type of like PHI or PII and that we could automate stuff. And so I think we've done it successfully um, so that, you know, everything is automated on our side. So like most people, we have a web app and a mobile app. But our marketing website is on Webflow. So Webflow is this amazing no-code, you know, uh, website builder, if I can call it like that, uh, where you can really iterate quickly on your landing pages. So, for example, for us, you know, we, we've created thousands of landing pages using the CMS uh, that we could connect to, like, AdWords on the other side. Um, we, we did a bunch of things like that with Webflow, but really where I think we've automated a lot of things is within Airtable for every like order on the supplement side to track inventory and inventory counts to track, uh, you know, to send automatically all the orders to our 3PL partner because we have a 3PL partner now. So it's like automating all this and also I think where it's pretty amazing and people always need to think about like alerts, how do you get alerts set up when there's an exception? I think on our side, we've like optimized everything and we've like one shared mailbox for the entire team, opt optimized the alerts and notification when something goes wrong. And therefore, yeah, as we were saying, you can keep the headcounts pretty low for what we're doing. That extends beyond those no-code software. On our side, as you can imagine, our care, our care navigators, the people who are helping the patients every single day, they have a lot of automated tasks. And so we're like, how can we connect the data from our doctors, our clinicians, our providers with our customer support software, right? And so that's where we've been able to kind of like connect both together. We call it like, pro we call it programmatic outreach. Uh, it's like, how can we initiate outreach from care navigators based mm -hmm. on, I think we have like 25 different fields that can automate an interaction between the patient and the care navigators. And everything is automated, but it's really personalized. The expense is 100% personalized because it depends on like what we what we got from them through the product, through previous visits, where we, you know, and uh, and all this is fully HIPAA compliant as well with encryption all along. So uh, it took us a bit of time to build it, to be honest, but right now it's like, it's, uh, you know, we can have one care manager taking care of like thousands of patients at the same time because all this is automated. And then we have saved replies and, and everything to really get back to the patient very quickly. So I think if you, and the truth is you cannot do it at the very beginning of your, of your entrepreneurial journey because you don't know exactly what's, what it's going to be like. So you need to wait a few weeks and months before you can actually automate all that. And, uh, and that's what we've, what we've done. And, uh, and really it's a game changer for us because you can then embrace the growth and the scale because you've automated so much. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would recommend it to anyone to really think about automation sooner than later so that you can embrace the, the growth. 
and resist the temptation of uh, just sending people to to problems and expect that magically uh, all the problems will get sorted out uh, because usually it gets worse and then you have alignment issues and execution issues and uh, you might need to downsize before scaling up again so um, that's that's a good lesson to to learn that's why i was curious to to learn more about how you guys at the patience of putting the system in place uh, before uh, scaling up. Because, of course, all the founders, uh, again, the purpose is amazing. The mission is is incredible. And we want to serve as many people as possible. And we want to scale up faster. But sometimes scaling up faster in the beginning will make us scale up slower or even need to downsize before scaling up again uh, later. Uh, And and lose more years in the future than than now. Uh, you you can definitely break things. You know, we it's it's not related to automation, but in the same vein, you know, a big national retailer came to us to think about like, can we sell your kits in you know thousands of stores across the country? And you know, at that point, I mean, we're not you know ready for that. And I think it would it would break too many things. Um, and so we said no. And you know, some people were like, you're completely crazy. But at the end of the day, I think it was like the best decision so that we could keep building, keep getting amazing retention and PS, because if you break things, if your reputation is not good, especially in healthcare, then you lose everything you've built. Again, it's like to go back to trust, but that trust component exactly. is everything. And 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 if uh, if you lose that trust, then then you know your your brand is is getting badly hurt and and everything else falls apart. So, so yeah, sometimes you have to make a tough decision like that of like, you know, declining a huge opportunity, but it's for the best. Exactly. And before we go, uh, I promise it's it's the last question, but uh, I can't resist the, the temptation of asking this. Of course, you are starting up in, in the US and it makes all sense to scale up uh, in the US. You have also, um, been um, starting up companies from a, fr- a French perspective or European perspective, where in the majority of the cases, the plan is the same. Uh, how can we go as quickly as possible to the US to scale up in a, in one language? Um, so we know all the reasons. I will not repeat them here. Um, but what about the opposite? So you are able to, you know, to create a very big company to solve this problem just with the US itself. As you said, you already have enough complexity with so many states in, in this case. So no need to think about the rest of the world, to think about Europe, uh, APAC, uh, LATAM, Africa, etc. Is, was this the reason because the opportunity is big and because you are based at this stage uh, in the US to start up there and to scale up there? Or do you have any other insights in, in mind? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think it's, it, it, we're building the moat, you know, and I think it's easier to build the moat when you're like geographically focused, right? And we've seen it with so many other companies, like how many Uber-like businesses were started like in specific cities and states like Osti, you know, even in France, I've seen some companies doing that and then being acquired by Uber because they knew they could own an entire geography and kind of like build a moat. And so, I'm, you know, in this case, we're definitely not trying to be acquired by Uber. I'm just saying this, like for <laughs> us, it's like, how do we 
how do we can like own you know hypothyroidism in the United States as a direct consumer and a B2B company working with employers, working with the payers, working with the health systems and the primary care networks. And so there's just so much we need to do still in the United States to feel like we've completely we, 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 we've built a moat and uh, and it's not the case yet. So you know those that defensibility, I think it's easier to build it when you're when you're geographically okay. focused. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely French. I saw today, I think in the news, there was like this French startup uh, focused on cancer that just announced uh, $40 million uh, Series A. So exciting to see that. And um, so definitely, I think things are moving on the healthcare side in France. The truth is, from what I'm seeing in the United States, there's just so much innovation here. We're, we're, you know, everyone is thinking differently, right? We're thinking because of the health insurance companies, because you know, I think the healthcare is especially broken in the United States, and the cost of healthcare is especially high in the United States. That creates so much room for innovation, right. and you know, it's it, it feels good. You know, what we're doing on the employer side, for example. You know, Livongo and some other companies focus on diabetes or MSK or some other specific conditions have done it and they've paved the way on like how to go after employers, how to improve AI for the employers. And so in this case, you know, we're, we're very happy to be as a as kind of like a, a virtual specialty clinics, very happy to be following the footsteps or like creating some new footsteps also with, with some new type of partners uh, in a very innovative ecosystem. I'm not saying Europe is not, I'm just saying here, it, there is even more room because of that potential for AOI when you work on the B2B side because of the cost of healthcare. Uh, yeah. does, does that make sense? And and the size of the market is uh, is so uh, big. Also, yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> I think that in, in a certain stage, it's, it's to keep dreaming for global domination, but at the same time, uh, understanding that in order to unlock that vision, uh, just the vision of being able to scale up and solve this huge problem in the US and to be a leader in in the solution of this problem in, in the market is, is so, so big that uh, when we get closer to that, we start thinking about the, the world, right? So yeah. <laughs> at a certain point, let's focus on execution and making it happen in the US first. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's 25 million people who suffer from hypothyroidism in the United States. You know, it's almost half of the French uh, population or the Spanish population, right? So it's like, exactly. uh, it's, it's different. It's another scale. It's amazing. G, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, and of course, uh, all the best for Paloma. And you are always welcome to, to share your progress with us uh, in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike, for your time and for your, your amazing question. And we'll talk soon then. Absolutely. And to you, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make it a little bit easier scaling up uh, your company. Uh, this is a special edition where we cover also the healthcare way uh, of scaling up. And today was G, the co-founder and CEO at Paloma Health. See you soon and keep scaling.